Dear friends, yet another episode for you here. My name is Wazi, and together, together with Elin, I host this podcast, The Pearl Dialogues, where we explore the nature of reality through the lens of the diamond approach. And in this episode, I have with me Thomas Weinberg. And what an amazing podcast it was for me. It has such a profound depth and intimacy and the unfolding so rich. We touch on a lot of interesting topics from diamond vehicles to the future of the school, the growing edge for the school, what is needed for the next generation of students to really come into the field. We talk about the art of digesting, of metabolizing our ego, metabolizing our history and the importance for that in spiritual maturity. <clears throat> we talk about authenticity, how to really be as we are and move into a very deep and interesting dialectic inquiry. So I'm really excited about sharing this with you all. For those of you who are new to this school, the Diamond Approach is a teaching that um, yeah, guides human beings towards freedom and liberation, in essence, and other things, among other things. And if you want to learn more, we have a lot of links in the show notes that you can explore, both a glossary, an introduction page to the Diamond Approach, and, and more. So that's what I'm going to say. As always, I invite you to sense arms and legs, sense, look and listen as you listen to this podcast. One thing is the intellectual stimulation and development that can happen, but the primary focus of our podcast is transmission and the field of possibility for transformation that takes place and opens up in these conversations. That's what I had to say. So much love. So here we are doing a Pearl Dialogue. We haven't started, obviously, but uh, I'm so glad that you joined. And yeah, I've been looking forward to this and I feel very natural meeting you. I feel that the connection is already here, which is good to feel. Yes, very much here. Yeah. A little bit of a disclaimer. Um, I have a fairly young puppy yeah. and because it's early in the morning, I couldn't find anybody to sit with him. So who knows? He may be part of this. Uh, if he sees a bird or hears the wind blowing, then he's liable to be part of this whole interview. <laughs> yes. That's welcome. That's very welcome. Yeah, you got a puppy. Man, that's a great, great, great thing. A great joy and a lot of responsibility. Mm, combination, huh? <laughs> it's quite wonderful. So in terms of the practicals, we'll do the dialogue and then after we've completed it, I'll give it some time and then I'll start editing it and I'll send it over to you. Uh, if there is anything in the dialogue you want to extract, take out, you're welcome to, to, to point that out and I'll take it out. You just give me the timestamps. And also if you need to go to the toilet or if the puppy comes and you want to remove it because of some reason, we can take it out. 
Right. Yeah. And as far as sending it to me to edit it, don't worry about that. I'm not concerned about editing anything that I might tell you. Okay. Wonderful. Pretty much an open book here. Ah, lovely. Yeah, wonderful. I like that attitude. I appreciate that attitude. I, I, I have a similar, I have a similar leaning. <laughs> but, you know, every teacher is different, you know? Every teacher is different. And yeah. um, I've learned over the years that um, the best thing that we can be as a teacher is just to be ourselves. So I don't monitor much. You know, there's certain things that I monitor personally, but yeah. in terms of, um, you know, what I say and being real, um, to me, that is an important thing to embody, an important thing to offer others. I agree. Actually, I can feel my belly center com coming alive and activating as you speak that. I feel like, yeah glowing sun expanding in my cough. Yeah, because you have that yourself mm. and your body recognizes that. Mm. Recognizes the truth in that for you. Yeah. It real is part of your path in life, I would assume. Mm, definitely. Definitely. Real on all levels. Yeah, on all levels. Me too. On all levels, not just as a teacher. This is it. Mm. All, all the other areas in my life. Yeah, so beautiful. So beautiful. So rich. And so sure. free. Mm. That's the word, you know. It's uh, <clears throat> We don't realize how freeing it is until we start really tasting that quality of authenticity and realness. And then we realize how different that is from how we've been trained to live our whole lives. Yeah. Oof. And so delicious, so pleasurable. Huh? <laughs> On many levels. <laughs> On many levels. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Ah, oh, thank you. I, it's just such a gift to, to be in such a space where this is appreciated and uh, seen. Well, it's a dialectic, so it's in our space. Mm. It's not just coming from me. It's resonating and reverberating in you, and then I get it back. Mm. That's what dialectics are all about. And then there's this field of presence that exists between you and I, pearl to pearl. Mm. I resonate with that. <laughs> <laughs> My art space is simply expanding infinitely all directions. <laughs> <laughs> so spacious. Yeah, so spacious.
Hmm. Have you ever been to Hawaii? I haven't. My teacher lives on Hawaii, Prakash Makai. Um, um, Prakash. Prakash is your teacher. He's my private teacher. Oh. And when I heard you were living there, I was thinking, oh, I would love to go to Hawaii. It seems like an amazing place. I'm visit. Yeah, that my intention next year, United States, and then Hawaii will be just next door. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'd love to come visit. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I feel truly deeply in touch with the presence that is manifesting right now. I'm thinking for, for the listeners, it would be very interesting to, to open the conversation. I feel the inquiry is happening, you know, in, in, in the stillness of the moment and in the contact of, of what's happening. But to open that up for it to be verbalized for the listeners would be an in, interesting experiment and exploration, I, I think. <clears throat> Let's go for it. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to ask you the question, what is happening? Within me? Yeah. Um, I feel that uh, what I'm experiencing is what happens when I make contact with another soul that has that presence and that openness and that curiosity to explore the moment. You know, we talked a little bit about it before, you know, what happens when two people connect from a place of presence, pearl to pearl. And what that does for me <clears throat> is that um, as you're receiving what it is that I'm saying, and you're acknowledging where you are, then it's affecting me. And it's bringing in more presence and more aliveness in the moment. So that's what's happening for me. You know, the early morning uh, hour and rushing around and all of that kind of washes away. And I'm just here with you and enjoying the the um, unknown and enjoying the, the the potentiality of what each moment is when you're with someone without agenda and things are happening like this. Yes. Mm, gold. 
you know, I, 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 I shy away a lot from terminologies. Um, sometimes I think uh, we teachers go uh, too much in terms of terminology and and less in terms of, there we go, less in terms of uh, really what underlies the, uh, the terminology. So when I said pearl to pearl, really what I was meaning was that that presence that you and I bring into this and what that does in terms of contact. Yeah. You know, it's a completely different kind of contact. Mm. Totally. In some sense, I feel interpenetration. I don't know yes. if you can relate to that, but that's what I feel. I feel interpenetration. Absolutely. And that's the field, too, that we create together. You know, it's this interpenetration. Yeah. I, I, I think it's rare. Um, you know, I say rare, uh, it certainly is rare outside of the context of the diamond approach. And it doesn't mean that people that are in the diamond approach have that capacity and they relate from that place. But um, I think a lot of our contact with people, there's not that inner penetration. Mm -hmm. We can be presence and awareness and from that place, then whatever needs to be said is delivered in a particular way. Sometimes we're aware there's a limitation with the other. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't come through in the same way that mm. you and I are relating. So there can't be that possibility so much of interpenetration. Mm. But it's that possibility we have as we become more and more familiar with presence. And we embody it and digest it more, mm. which at some point is something that I'd like to talk about in this interview is digestion. For sure. Hmm. Yeah. Deeply. I mean, I resonate at one with everything you speak. <laughs> I feel this is linked with uh, with the interpenetration, and in some sense, with that, I feel that I mean just to expand upon the interpretation that's happening. I feel that you're inside me, and that I'm so somehow inside you as well. So that there is such a deep intimacy, and in some sense, being in the same location. Right, exactly. Have you have you had the teachings on the dialectic inquiry? No. You're describing it. <laughs> That's what dialectic inquiry is. It's um, a great teaching. I'm going to bring some of that in in my uh, when I go back in person for the first time in three years in Toronto in June. Is that? <laughs> That's what dialectic inquiry is, is this potential that we have in this lifetime to bring our realization into the world. Hmm. Well, um, I feel like a lot of, I 
feel like a lot of people and a lot of students are um, knowledge collectors. And they're really only interested in realization from a standpoint of talking about it, maybe experiencing it. But I think when it really gets, um, when realization really um, uh, is um, not just tested, but I think when it expands more is when we bring it into the world, when we bring it into our connection with others. And that's what dialectic inquiry is, is two people bringing their truth, bringing their realness, bringing their realization into contact with another person. And then the potentiality is um, quite astounding. Mm -hmm. It's that interpenetration you were talking about. And in that interpenetration, it's not just you and I, there's something else in the field between us, which is like a third field of presence. That's what dialectic inquiry does, creates that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the souls go, wee, yippee. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> and the thing is, yeah. <clears throat> which, you know, I think is some, the most difficult thing for most people, not just with dialectic inquiry, but with um, actualization or bringing your truth, bringing your realization into the world, is that isn't just about the good. It's also about the bad and the ugly. I mean, had a summer retreat, and one of the segments he had was the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, we're more comfortable with bringing the good in, but when it comes to the, quote, bad emotions, the anger and the sadness and the hatred and the grief, or those things that we um, judge as being ugly, we have a tendency to want to split them off then things aren't complete, and that's not really presence when we're pushing anything away. Mm. So especially the heart will only open and expand when everything is included, everything. Mm. Without that, the heart contracts. Mm. And the heart is the only organ of perception that we have that knows truth directly. And it only knows that when everything is included. Mm -hmm. So in because to me, um, the soul can be celebrating when we bring something difficult in or something negative or some kind of emotion that we usually reject. And the ego can be reacting like crazy yeah what are some of the other trends you observe 
within the school or within the world in general when it comes to true spiritual practice or embodiment, bringing realization into everyday life, bypassing and so forth? Well, I have a, I have a, a um, and I think a lot of it comes from my own orientation. <clears throat> but, uh, there, um, and I, I made mention of it a little bit earlier. I think there is a um, tendency for um, uh, students and teachers to be long on material and not quite put not quite as much importance on digesting that material mm -hmm. and um <clears throat> i do feel like that if we're not taking time to digest what it is that we're being taught um I don't feel like that we're able to evolve in the same way. For instance, the pearl needs digestion. It needs a lot of time to digest what it is that we're experiencing or we're being taught. It needs contemplation, you know, and that doesn't just mean mental contemplation. It means really being with what it is that is in our you know in in the teaching field so for me um the thing that is most important for me as a teacher uh and i've had to slow down for instance in toronto we're in the balanced dimensions but i've had to slow it down a little bit and go back and bring in things to really integrate what it is that has happened before and where people are and um I just, um, you know, this is my own personal journey, but I notice from my own personal journey that um, <clears throat> if I'm not digesting what it is I'm being taught, um, I'm going to have a lot of um, constipation or diarrhea. Mm. You know, it's not going to, it's not going to land in the way that I want it to land so I can live it. Yes. So let's speak about the art of digesting, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, living from that place of digestion. Yeah. So if you were to lay that out based on your personal experience, what you've observed working with plenty of students, working with teachers, having some of the uh, most senior teachers as, as your colleagues, what have you discovered about the art of digesting and how to approach all the material that arises in the soul? Well, um, you know, quite honestly, um, I'm, you know, teaching in Canada and Toronto and teaching both U.S. rising and EU rising and here in Hawaii. Um, I've, um, I've not done a lot of team teaching. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I have a very good friend who lives near me, who is the teacher of the, uh, New Zealand group. And we both, um, we both do that same, um, 
not just philosophy, but this same orientation in our own lives in terms of really wanting our students to be able to uh, digest and integrate what it is that's being taught. <clears throat> so we're constantly bouncing off of one another and working our own segments with each other. And that's been a real source of support. Um, so <clears throat> I'm not sure what other teachers or other senior teachers are doing in terms of the way they're bringing the diamond approach into the world. I just know for me, um, it's been important to, I really honor the teachings. I think Hamid is probably the most brilliant person, one of the most brilliant people on this planet. And um, I speak different languages, a different language than he does. So it needs <clears throat> meaning that not the not the actual teaching itself and the heart of the teaching, but the way it comes through me is different. Yeah. So I've learned that. I've learned to allow that and to work that and to be with that mm. so that it comes through me in the way that I want my students to have it as well. Yeah. For me, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. For it to be that way, how the teaching comes through different in different souls in different ways, and that is where the brilliance also comes alive when we allow ourselves to to really be vessels for the teaching in an uninhibited uh, way, without imposing standards or comparisons, and that having that full out surrender actually to to what comes through and. The teaching being so intelligent and utilizing the faculties, the capacities of that particular soul to its full potential to transmit the teaching. Uh, for me, that is uh, something that truly ignites me and uh, it, be, it brings this scintillating quality to my consciousness just talking about it. Uh, you brought in the concept or the aspect of brilliancy and when I feel into that, that's, that's, that's what really comes through. Yeah, and you know, we're, we're blessed here and that we have a lot of different teachers that have different ways of bringing through the teachings. Yeah. And um, you find that, for instance, in um, the U.S. seminary, you find that in the, in the EU seminary um, and rising, I mean, and uh, dive, so that we have... Um, a lot of varied souls that uh, have a different way where they're um, transmitting the teachings in the way it comes through. I have a question. So what would you say is the growing edge for the teaching or for the school as you see it? Do you have a, an impression of that? Well, that's a, I, I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of answers to that. And, um, I, uh, I'll start with the, uh, practical aspect of the growing edge. Um, 
you know, I, uh, I was a million mile member with United Airlines, which shocked me when they sent me a card and said I had traveled a million miles in my lifetime. But, you know, I live in Hawaii and I get on a plane, I teach here and go there. And so I was used to always traveling and teaching. And um, so here I've been at home for over three years. <clears throat> Can now have a puppy. My life has changed. And everybody else is going through their own transitions as it relates to meeting in person in Zoom. And I'll be going back to Toronto in June, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's been three and a half years. Um, I think something different happens in person. And yet, we're in a different age because of this pandemic. Things have changed. And not everybody is going to easily adapt to getting back in person. So I think there's going to be... Um, um, a lot of that going on as we find our balance between in-person and Zoom. Mm. And I think some of the outlying groups like I have in Toronto, for instance, um, you know, um, they're affected by their own relationship to maybe not wanting to travel so much. And then there's all these online teachings we have. And there are people now that just want to do online teaching. So it's going to be an interesting um, uh, dance for, uh, you know, the established groups and meeting in person and being on Zoom and seeing where it lands. I think it's something that we're all dealing with right now. Yeah. The the other thing that um, I think, um, well, I'll just I'll just kind of keep it at that and see if that brings up any questions for you. No, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're definitely in a we're definitely in a new age. And um, and one of the reasons that I wanted to do this interview with you, yeah, that um, I'm excited about the youth of today. Ah, great! And what they bring to the work and where they are, and what changes that might bring into the diamond approach. Yeah. We need that. We need that newness. We need that freshness. It's um, without it, I don't think the diamond approach is going to survive and you know moving forward. So that's going to change the teachings. Yeah. Some some way. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious, um, that must have been part of your orientation in forming this, right? Had to do with reaching the youth, is that? It is definitely a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say that this 
podcast itself came directly from my heart and came straight from i mean i felt it come from true nature as a as a as an invitation as a vision and there are many i feel that there is a, a host of different uh reasons why it came through and one of them being reaching young generation of people and creating a new format for the teaching to manifest and come through and also illuminate different aspects of the teaching within a different context as well. So, and also bringing the personal dimension in a very specific way, you know, per dialogues, which I feel there is a lot of value in bringing our full humanity <clears throat> and embodiment of the teaching and seeing how that <clears throat> manifests in conversation. Um, yeah, so bringing in the personal view explicitly yeah. from different yeah. features. Yeah. I moved to share that I, I feel this very magnanimous presence. Um, in some sense, it's a different presence than, than what I felt initially when we, when we began, that there has been a transformation and how I experience myself now is different than uh, before, which is, uh, I'm just curious about and that's opening in my consciousness. How do you experience it now? Mm. So the word that comes to me is ancient. I experience uh, a sense of ancientness. I don't know if that's a word, but there is a, an ancient presence that is independent of my body and independent of age. So it's as if there is a different dimension of being that's manifesting uh, that has a timeless quality. And, not only timeless, but it's also ancient. So there is a difference between timeless and ancient. So the ancient element is important. Yeah. So I need to take a breath to get somebody's yeah. outside and he's going nuts. Yeah. Can we take one minute? <laughs>
Well, we'll see if that does it. <clears throat> yeah. Wonderful. <clears throat> so what I notice it collapses is it is an object relation or a an object relation that it, it, there's an object relation that collapsed and and uh, I feel it's linked to the teacher student or the elder younger uh, object relation you could say yes yeah I was feeling the same thing I um, when you said ancient what I was experiencing was um, ageless uh, I I forgot that you were asking me questions. It was more like a dialogue between us. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't the student teacher thing going on. Yeah. You know, and so it was without object relations. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so that had a different impact too on the field, you know, where, which is what I really enjoy the most is just a, a, um, a dialogue, a conversation, as we mentioned earlier, a dialectic. Yes. Yes. This is what I enjoy the most as well. <laughs> I love it. Where one could just be free, free of those roles and all of that standards and packages and categories and truly just show up, show up in the moment, show up as you are fully. Without, yeah, without the filters. Which is really the most difficult thing for most human beings. Because of our, you know, we have to, we have to be really sensitive yeah. to the fact that that is uh, kryptonite, that is dynamite to a part of us that survived by not being that way. Mm. We just say we should show up and have everybody want to show up in their real authentic selves without really dealing with the part of us that um, it's contrary to our, not only contrary to how we knew we could show up in the world, it was dangerous. Mm. So the a balance there has to be that way of first of all dealing with uh, this is at least my orientation and in, in um, what I was talking about with digestion for instance we're not just digesting essential qualities and diamond vehicles and balanced dimensions and um, we're also needing to digest anything and everything that keeps that from being present. You know, the thing about true nature is that it's not just um, illuminating itself. It's illuminating everything that gets in its way and not as a way of eliminating it, not as a way of judging it, not as a way of transcending it, at least from where I sit you know this is one of the ways that we differ from like buddhist teachings but to really be with it to really be with it to honor it to 
um, work it, to let it work us. And yeah. that's what allows the realness and the authenticity to come through. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, to, to do it without that, it's, uh, it's more false pearl. It's more in this wonderful, expanded, um, joyful person when inside we have repressed the hatred and the anger and the fear. Mm. Now that combination is where things get really dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, it unlocks a whole different dimension of our potential as human beings. It's to me the thing, it's the primary contribution that the Diamond Approach has in this world. Yeah. Because we're not just helping people um, get more knowledge and realization. That's a part of what it is that we're here for. Mm -hmm. But we're here to really bring more wholeness you know, more wholeness into uh, ourselves and into the world by really integrating those things that we split off, mm -hmm. you know, out of survival, spent a lifetime hiding our shame and our fear and all the emotions that, that we've labeled negative. And I think the diamond approach uh, is this unique teaching that really opens to that through the essential qualities, through sensitivity, through love, through courage, through confidence, through realness. And to me, without it, we don't really have a pearl and we don't have a point. I mean, we can experience it knowing it here, but to have it in our heart and and feel it and uh, digest it in our heart and then have it land in our belly to where we can carry it into the world really to me requires um, opening to the totality of what we are and what we experience. Again, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what you're sharing there is such a hallmark of this teaching, like you say, uh, or a tenet of the teaching, yeah. the orientation of the teaching. So I, one thing I feel manifesting now is the logos itself, the logos of the teaching and how it's transmitting so effortlessly, so cleanly and so purely um, in our field and then manifesting and communicating a particular aspect of itself. Uh, which is this particular orientation. <laughs> yeah, so I feel, I feel the oneness with the teaching. Uh, I feel the oneness with the teaching. I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, I know that you're 
whole orientation is not just being identified with being a young member of the diet approach. It's not just being youth oriented, but what do you feel is the, um, what do you feel is the primary concern or interest or need of your generation that is involved in this teaching? <laughs> My, what comes to me immediately, so I, I feel I need to express that, is invest in the youth. Invest the resources in the youth. Truly hear them out. Bring out the resources, really meet them and give them opportunity to thrive and to, to, to evolve, to explore, to be challenged, to, mm, yeah, to also feel challenged, uh, yeah, honored. Yeah, so it's the combination of like really seeing, uh, seeing the youth. Uh, and then, you know, as I say that, the teaching around narcissism comes in because I notice in my, I know in my own personal journey, there has been at, at a certain leg of, of, of my journey, that's not too long ago, I had this need to be seen. I, there was this feeling of a desire to be seen. And I know a part of that was narcissism. And uh, I'm grateful for how my teacher held that because that allowed me to grow into seeing more of myself instead of being mirrored externally. Um, and that has internalized a sense of internal authority instead of externalizing it. And that is a process that is still taking place. And at the same time, on a very human level, I feel really taking risk, taking leaps, being courageous to to move into new things, to innovate, to think newly, to, to take really into account what's coming through from the young generation. Uh, and, uh, and I know for, for the ego and for, you know, old structures that is threatening because it threatens the demolization of certain structures and and the unknown comes in and there's a new organization that can take place to bring about something that's fresh, but that is a death <clears throat> that involves a certain kind of death. And also that um, a release of some kind. So, so I've, I talked to Doug, Duncan Scribner about the same thing and it, the same thing came through in a different form. The same the same communication yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah i uh, i think what you're describing is uh, is really important because all of us regardless of our age or how long we've been at work we all have our own narcissistic issues that 
we carry as human beings. And um, so the need to be seen side by side with <clears throat> what's real about it is really important. Yeah. You know, and that's what I was meaning earlier about, you know, what this path has to offer. You know, it's like we we want to deal with what's real and we want to deal with what gets in its way. So I really hear you that there is something and I feel the same way that the youth has to offer. And at the same time, we need to look at the part of you, the part of us that wants to be seen and dealing with both of those at the same time allows something real to come through. It does with everything really. Yeah. Definitely. <clears throat> Another thing that I feel coming through is fire. It's like the burn. One of, one of the hallmarks of youth is this burning, um, this burning flame, you know, that is strong, that is full, that is rich, that is like expansive and has rocket fuel, you know what I mean? To really facilitate, to, to really facilitate for that rocket to, to, to go in right course and, and be at its edge of its manifestation um, requires like a keen eye. And, and if you can catch that at the right moment, it's amazing how it can kind of move out of the atmosphere and expand into something magnificent. Um, but if it's not really, mm, yeah, you could say held or, or <clears throat> honored, then the energy doesn't, is not allowed to truly, yeah, you could say, make best use of itself. Yeah, no, I hear that. And boy, do I feel that in you right now. <laughs> It's kind of alive in here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, it's, oof, it's so like. <laughs> it's like unstoppable power. Unstoppable power. Yeah. So it's really interesting what you were talking about in terms of um, that kind of energy. And I don't know whether you use the word balanced or not, but you, you were talking about utilized in a particular way. So I think part of what you're talking about is that, um, you know, and that's one of the reasons that I, I, I'm, so delighted that we have uh, more youth oriented uh, that are more involved in the work. You know, um, when I first started this work, I, <clears throat> I was pretty young too. And um, yet what I noticed is that most young people, at least back then, <laughs> 30 years ago or more, can't remember how many years I've been in the work, the, they were, um, they were, which was uh, developmentally sound in a lot of ways. They were more interested in getting a little better ego. Hmm. They needed better ego first. Yeah. 
you know, I, I think it's one of the difficulties for a lot of young people is that they're not ready to have something collapse that they haven't had time to be with yet. Yeah. It, at least that's the way it used to be. I think things are changing now, but definitely was the problem in the very beginning, you know, and it was a problem for me. I, I didn't want, you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember when I first went to a weekend in Maui, living in Hawaii, we have everybody that comes through, everybody and everybody in God comes to Maui or Kauai because they want to be here. So I was sampling all of these religious leaders and all of these spiritual leaders and all of these gurus and, you know, nothing really resonated. And then uh, the diamond approach came here and I, something ignited in me mm. and then I went back for another weekend and something else ignited. However, when he wouldn't tell me how long it was going to last and when it was going to end, I freaked out. Yeah. Because I, at the time, still wanted to be fixed. Mm. So I don't say that that's indicative of youth, but it's indicative of humankind. I think that's one of the changes that is happening mm. now, is that more young people are really ready for serious work and letting go but i think it is a particular challenge for younger people to let go of something they haven't yet realized so based on my observation huh i i like the tendon, the trend that you're speaking about i would say still it's still in the margins within the young generation that is alive now and there may be a shift in that um, over the coming decades with the information age and so forth. <clears throat> mm. But one thing that I know was particularly alive for me is the, the initially when I started this journey is the promise of development, the promise of evolution, which is growth. I mean, I was super growth oriented. And when I realized that there is a potential to, for life mastery, for self mastery, for um, to become, uh, you could say, I mean, within, in my younger days, this would, would, would resonate as it stands. I, I, it's, it's a particular aspect of viewing it, but the best version of myself, so to say. Yeah? <clears throat> and when I wake, awaken to that, which is in some, in some sense infinite in its possibility, because there is endless refinement, endless possibilities, that actually activated me and and activated that flame to burn and then it's matured over time you could say um yeah and that's what happened to me too i mean um, yeah. i finally realized after the third or fourth weekend and i missed a weekend that um i was running away from something you know and that was a really important realization for me i think we all have to go through that yeah but um yeah i'm wondering <clears throat> what's happening in 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 your pelvis and in your belly area in mine right now 
Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, it's funny. I, I hadn't, um, I don't oftentimes notice uh, what it is that you're referring to, but um, I just feel so here right now. I don't feel like I'm in an interview. I don't feel like that um, I need to do anything or say anything in particular. So it's just um, kind of hereness, like Diamond Will. Mm. I had to put a, <clears throat> a label on it, which oftentimes I don't like doing, but yeah. if I had to put a label on it, it would be like, well, there's no effort here. Mm. No I'm effort. Having this conversation with my new friend. Yes, this is this is it. I feel that in my heart. I feel that in my heart. Oh, which again brings in this ancient ancient quality for me when you say that, you know. And I feel so. My feel my soul feels honored uh, when you say that. Um, yeah. One thing I would love to explore is the realm of diamonds. So we talk about the diamond approach, we talk about the diamond will, we talk about the diamond guidance. I would love to open that part of the diamond approach with you right now. What's your understanding of, of, of the diamond and its, its uh, relevance? for with the for the diamond approach and also potentially how it's manifesting right now so um <clears throat> are you talking more about the diamonds the central qualities both actually i'm thinking talking about the diamondness in yeah. anything that may manifest it can be the diamond will the diamond guidance uh, and and the place of the diamond just to elaborate and explore the diamond itself I think that, um, again, there's so many contributions that the diamond approach I feel has in this world that one of them is as it relates to what you're referring to with the diamonds, like, um, you know, to be able to get more clear, more specific, more, um, uh, to bring that clarity and that specificity into our experience. Like, for instance, um, take the green, you know, to start out and say, for instance, um, I feel something in the, I feel something within me. And as I start to sense what's in me, there's a kind of a lightness to it. There is a, um, uh, a presence that is soft. And as I tune into the softness, there actually is some kind of 
sensitivity that I feel. And I feel it in my body and I feel it everywhere. And as I feel more into the sensitivity, I actually feel some kind of loving kindness. And as we become more clear in our curiosity and our investigation, then that quality gets more illuminated. So the diamond is sharp and clear. Mm-hmm. So as the loving kindness comes in, and I'm naming it, which is part of the diamondization too, as we're naming it, as we're experiencing it, then the whole field can be lit up mm-hmm. by this green diamond. So um, I... And I want to say a little bit about that, too. I think that when we think about inquiry or the diamonds, we think about it in terms of talking about it and verbalizing it and um, understanding it in our head. But um, I'm talking about experiencing it from a very deep place because, as you know, the mind is usually operating from how we might have experienced it yesterday or last week or last month. But when we're really in it, when we're really in that sensitivity in the moment, Point Diamond, for instance, being exactly where you are in the moment, that's the point diamond, you know, and that as you're doing that, you might have information here, but it needs to drop. Oh, yes, I feel that right now. I feel that sensitivity within me. And now I feel this experiencing this loving kindness that is everywhere. So then the diamond gets clarified by embodying it in your inquiry. Not just by saying, well, I'm feeling sensitive and it's the green diamond. But here you're allowing it to penetrate you through all three centers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what comes to me as we speak about this is is the level of refinement and it's the level of refinement the diamondness brings and also the objectivity, uh, the clear objectivity that the diamondness brings about the experience, about what's actually happening to a precise detail. <clears throat> and allowing it to work us. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I, I, it's really important that I bring that in because... Um, I feel like, again, it's part of the whole thing around digestion. Yeah. As I feel this sensitivity right now, I can actually feel a block in my belly. I'm not, I'm not right now, but I'm saying it's part of it. And as I feel that block in my belly, I realize there's something that's bracing against this, um, this presence, this sensitive presence that's coming through. So, it's 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 all of that as well. Yeah. It's really being in our own experience uh, as it as it unfolds. Hmm. If it's all up here, it's not um, 
It's not the point diamond. Hmm. Point diamond is right here, right now. Like you and I were when we first started this conversation. Being at the location where it's happening. (laughs) Exactly. No matter what what it is that's happening or what where that location is. Mm. That's the hardest thing for human beings. Mm. It's easy sometimes to journey and to explore, but it becomes nothing more than a discharge if it's not integrated and embodied. If there are blocks and barriers that we're not working with that we don't want to look at, which is natural for all of us, then it can't be integrated and digested and it can't be diamondized. Yeah. That clarity and that specificity then gets blocked by what it is that we're not bringing into it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which again is a, is a deep integration or a deeper integration of the teaching of the Logos when, when that attitude is, is embodied and also the free, freeing of the assemblage point to move and be guided by what is relevant moment to moment. Yeah. Sometimes that assemblage point goes backwards. Into the past and the history of, of conditioning, you say, or what do you mean something different? Well, I mean, sometimes it, uh, it's not just a outward trajectory. <clears throat> sometimes we get stuck for a while and that's very important for people to know. Yeah. I think it's very important for youth to hear. Yeah. Because this is not, um, this is not a, um, an accelerated course of, um, who's the most realized. Hmm. This is a lifetime journey of sometimes one step forward, two steps back. And when we do go, when we do go two steps back, there's something here to get. Hmm. And if we have an orientation of just this trajectory and, you know, going from one teaching to another teaching to another teaching, and now I can do the boundless dimensions and now I can realize this and we are not dealing with what is going on in reaction or in relation to that, then it's this rare opportunity to take two steps back and integrate what it is that needs to be integrated so we can fully embody it as we move into that next level. Which brings in the practice of contemplation, inquiry, also meditation, being with what is happening really feeling out our experience uh, with continuity and uh, and sincerity. Yeah, private sessions with our teachers. Private sessions, definitely. Yeah. And to create space for that, I mean, that, that needs space to, to, to be allowed. If one is busy, 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 it's going to be difficult, huh? <laughs> a real challenge in this lifetime i tell you i tell you that exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's a challenge for me i know Uh, my my life is um, 
busier than it's ever been. Mm. I mean, like twofold. Interesting. I thought when I got older, things would slow down, but that's definitely not the case. Yeah, very interesting. Hmm. Different phases. Yeah, for I'm, I'm I'm curious if you had a chance to listen to the song that I sent. And we're going to listen to it today. We can listen oh, to it now. I, I, I just <laughs> I just was curious about that because um, it's uh, I think it's part of this whole thing that I'm talking about that. Um, You know, I, I, I never thought that I would end up living on an island. Uh, I lived in the big cities for years. I've been here for, I don't even remember now. I think I've been here for 35, 40, maybe 40 years I've lived in Hawaii. It came a long time ago. And um, I was really enjoying the city a lot. But there was something about Hawaii that grabbed me. I couldn't put words to it, but it grabbed me. And uh, it's part of what we're talking about in terms of I knew it was the place that would force me to slow down and have more time to contemplate and to integrate some of the things that I've been running away from. Hmm. And uh, it has, it, you know, it, you know, you can certainly run away on an island very easily. <laughs> an island like Hawaii, huh? <laughs> well, anywhere you can run away very easily. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm working six days a week, sometimes seven. I have a lot of, you know, I have other times that I have off and I have a lot of, flexibility in my schedule but um it is conducive to me it's something that is important to me because i can be with nature it forces me to do things and i might get distracted by you know if i were in new york or another city yeah let's listen to the song okay let's do you got it there? I got it here.
was aware as you were playing this that um, this was my first experience of Diamond Guidance. Um, I was um, living in uh, Colorado and I flew out to see a friend here that had moved here. At that time, there was uh, that was on the island of Kauai then, and there was only one stoplight on the island. It was very remote, and um, I was completely impacted. Not just in terms of you know its beauty and the romance of it. That was part of it, but there was something else that was completely impacting me and really rocking me. And I remember getting on the plane and having this song play and I just burst out in tears and I realized that my whole life was being ripped inside out. I had a community that I enjoyed. I had a job that I, a profession that I loved. I liked where I was, but I knew that I was going to be moving. And it wasn't some kind of, um, you know, it wasn't just some kind of romantic notion of the islands. Um, it was something that took two or three years to manifest, but I knew that I was being called. So that's part of what this song represents to me. And this was back be just before you moved to Hawaii, yeah? Well, I think I moved here in uh, 1981. Whew. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. Long time ago. And I would love to hear you share a bit on the Diamond Guidance. Like, what is the Diamond Guidance? How does it manifest for you? What's your understanding of the Diamond Guidance? Well, um, you know, to um, kind of continue on this thread that I was talking about in terms of, you know, um, my first experience of the Diamond Guidance, I really had to sit with everything for a long time. Was this romance? Yes. Was this some kind of infatuation with beauty? Yes. Was it some kind of, um, you know, um, desire to get away from the city to run away? Yes. So I had to work those issues for a long time. That's part of, you know, um, part of the diamond guidance in order for that to manifest you. It also needs the point diamond. I had to be where I was. If I would have gotten on the plane and come home and packed up and quit my job and moved, it would have been disastrous. Mm -hmm. So I spent a couple years really being with, okay, what's real here? What's really real? So those issues worked me a lot. And as they worked me, I was being worked by reality. And, um, you know, I remember uh, when um, 
Janine asked me to teach in the EU seminary, and she wanted uh, me to teach the the diamond guidance and the pearl. Uh, I thought, oh, okay, what's the relationship? And I realized that that's part of what was being worked. It's far from being actualized or even realized at that point, but I was being worked in many, many, many ways. And as that happened, then I really was able to listen to my heart because it was cleansed by the fantasies and the projections and what wasn't real. And then I could act on it. Mm. So for me, the diamond guidance comes through and different ways at different times. Sometimes we know immediately in the moment, but sometimes we have to sift through a lot of things that really block the guidance. Is this true? Yes, it is true that, you know, I want to run away from this. Is this true? Yes. And then it allowed me to be with what else was coming through. And that was, I'm being called. Yeah. Mm. Deep. Be, be deep and beautiful. <laughs> not always easy. You know, the diamond. Not always easy. Think of it as, you know, this marvelous, which it is, but we think of it as this, this tool that we have that can help us realize what it is we need to do and the decisions we make in life. But um, it's... Um, can be much more complicated than that when we're in the moment of our experience. In our situation. In our situation. All that has to be brought in. Yeah, yeah. in our situation, our limitations. <laughs> we all have limitations. Yeah. Yeah. Our limitations. Working that. Yeah. Dealing with it. Addressing it. Hmm. I feel this now soft glow coming into my belly again, my cough center, glowing. <laughs> and that glow? Huh? What is that glow? What, how does it impact you? I feel the first thing that comes to me is appreciation for truth. So there is an appreciation for truth that has a belly quality as we speak about digesting, being true to life being truth to reality and what's happening. So the glow comes from the acknowledgement of that and the, uh, the appreciation for that, I feel like. The glow has also a softness to it, you know, it's not hard, it's soft, yeah. Yeah, it's good. And it's nice to hear you talk about um, the appreciation for the truth, because that's such an important quality that's needed in order for the diamond guidance to be activated. Yeah. The, the, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Mm. Well, yeah. all the way. <laughs> all the way. <laughs> 
ramifications. <laughs> My goodness. Wow. Who could predict this beautiful dialectic, Thomas, huh? I've enjoyed it. <laughs> a lot. I've enjoyed it a lot. Hmm. I feel a sense of kinship, actually, when I feel you. Me too. Hmm. I wonder what accounts for that. Is it orientation? Is it view? Is it blueprint? Do you have any, any insights into that? Oh, well, um, I've done interviews before, but, you know, uh, Quite a few actually, and um, most of them are scripted and uh, they're oriented to going in a particular direction. And um, I feel like the opposite is true here. But like you said, we've just been involved in this dialogue without restraint. And, um, and the fact that you were able to bring in your experience in our interaction made it a lot more dynamic so that it was two people sharing back and forth. I think that that must be a lot of what happens with Amid when he does the interviews with various people. He does quite a few, mm -hmm. you know. It is like a dialectic between the two of them. So I think that that's what, to me, brought it in, is that we were just two people sharing our journey here together. Mm. Yeah. Different things happen. Sometimes we have agendas and we need them. You know, we have certain things we have to accomplish and we have certain things we want to talk about and we have to move from one thing to another. Like if I'm on a board, uh, you don't have time to, to, to really uh, explore in the ways that we have. Yeah. You know, but this is a different format that you and I created. Mm, indeed. Indeed. I feel this very concentrated essence in my pelvis that I feel is linked to true humanity as, you, as we speak about this. Like really con connecting in an unadulterated way, like an unfiltered, true and real way where our full self comes forth. Yeah. Yeah. 
there is a there is a textured fullness to that like presence to presence mm. Ah. Mm. which opens the vistas of possibilities for exploration discovery uh, and so forth yeah yeah, I, you mentioned, I, I don't think you mentioned it by name, but you were talking about certain qualities that really relate to the pearl, you know, um, that the, the pearl with all of its development, which I feel is a lifetime of development, I don't think it ever stops, hmm. it can take us all the way home. You know, our realization and taking in it, taking our true authentic selves into the world. Um, that kind of, um, that kind of um, actualization and movement into the world and that part of the pearl, which is part of the pearl, taking, um, taking what we are into the world is an incredible testing ground that can ignite our process and take us all the way home. Because hmm. we can begin to experience it in the world instead of always having to withdraw from the world to experience it. Both are important. Yeah. And also recognizing that it will manifest in different ways, in different situations and contexts. At work, it may manifest in a particular way. So to recognize it for what it is in, in that context and in this context, some, something else. I'm speaking from my own experience here just because this level of expansion and dialectic inquiry doesn't happen with my colleagues usually, you know? <laughs> so far, so far. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's a rare and precious thing when it happens. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I enjoy about um, teaching. Uh, you know, a group for a long time. Toronto's in its I don't know, fifteenth year, sixteenth year. I can't remember, but being able to travel with uh, people over time is a real blessing because. Um, things can develop in ways that we need time for. Mm. And then sometimes we have these kinds of interactions, rare situations where you've met somebody for the first time and they happen right away. Mm. Yeah. Availability. Just because somebody's in the diamond approach doesn't mean that there's going to be real authentic contact. Mm. I think that's one of the, I mean, we have this opportunity and this blessing to be with a group of people and to develop and grow, but we also don't want to have expectations just because somebody is involved in a particular teaching that they don't have their limitations too. Mm, indeed. Mm. So in the, in our final moments of this dialogues, do you have any wishes for the world? Do you have any wish 
for the future and, and for, for what's happening in the school? No. No. He says that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, I just... Uh... <laughs> ah, I can resonate with that, man. <laughs> really mostly focused on myself and what's real and true for me and hope that by doing that that maybe I can bring some of that into the world and help and impact other people as well and yeah. be mm. and that, that in itself is what the world needs it needs our are coming into the world in a in as true and real way as possible. Yeah. Both those words came to my mind before you spoke them. <laughs> oh man, this is the this is the resonance, huh? The resonance of the field. Beautiful. Mm, Thomas, how I hope I one day will set my feet on the sand of Hawaii and, and take a walk on the beach with you, huh? And in the water, in the ocean. The ocean, in the ocean indeed. Yeah, that would be lovely. Enjoyed being with you. 100%. Thank you so much. Hello. <laughs>